Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Hi, I'm Kim Salmon. I'd like to have a quick word about uh, public radio, particularly 3CR. The thing about public radio is that it's more open than the more formatted types of radio to what's going on around it. So when you listen to it, you're more likely to hear a reflection of real life. And 3CR being in the heart of Smith Street, Collingwood, is a particularly good example of what I'm talking about. If you'd like to uh, subscribe... The number is 94198377. You've been listening to the same. You could never understand. Feel the voice you flow I'm lazy, but it's the lazy people who invented the wheel and the bicycle because they didn't like walking or carrying things. And that comes from Lech Valencia. And as that gentle rain drops down in Melbourne, lovely late November day, not much of a spring so far, but a lovely spring, you're tuned to Radio 3CR here in Melbourne, 855 on the AM dial, streaming, podcasting and appreciating democracy now. Many thanks to Amy Goodman and the crew there. We've got a bit of a show coming up today, as well as news and events. We'll be looking at... How do we help cities move the last kilometre of freight around, especially as inner cities become more, what am I going to say, don't welcome cars so much, we need to work out a way to get those things around. And we'll be having Blaine from Cargon on about that. Morning, Blaine. Good morning. And joining us on the tandem, steering us as usual. (laughs) Faith, good to have you back. Good to be here, Val. There we go. It is a bit of a grim day outside, but it's quite nice. It'll clear up later. And as we slowly move into the Christmas season, I presume you've had a good bike moment, Faith? <laughs> um, well, actually, pretty good. Um, I, uh, my son's uh, surly straggler is one size smaller than the size I should be riding. And um, at the moment, uh, that bike is becoming too small for him. And uh, he, I, I've, I've suddenly realised I will be inheriting that bike much sooner than I'd anticipated. I thought I still had to wait a couple of years, but it looks like um, 
that bike will be mine. And there we go. Shortly. There's yeah. a reason why you've had him on a high protein diet. <laughs> isn't there? I've also <laughs> inherited his his snowboard, which was substantially better than my old ones, and much better graphics. I would assume too. <laughs> better stickers. There we go. Blaine, I'm just going to describe Blaine. He's got a couple of um, he ringbarked his shins a little bit, taken a little bit off off the uh, top lip. Obviously, you do have a bike moment. Yeah, <laughs> uh, my bike moment happened on the way home from uh, work, although I ride all all day for work. Um, racing to get home on a Friday evening um, to, to see the family, and um, yeah, speed, uh, speed and fatigue, I fell off. But um, all fine, other than a bit of bark off, and a nice motorist uh, stopped and offered me a few baby wipes to uh, clean myself up. <laughs> Lovely work. Yeah, it was yeah. a nice interaction. He yeah, had a the... laugh at me. <laughs> <laughs> They're very handy, baby wipes. Yeah, they are. They are. I use them to clean grips and stuff like that. They're quite good. Yeah. I had uh, a, a location, I must admit, that provides more bike moments and really should be are the pedestrian lights next to the Fitzroy swimming pool, especially at about 9.30, quarter to 10 in the morning when there's a bit of a commuter rush going on. Not unusual to wait a long way to head north, but you get over it. Usually you don't have to push the button the other side because there is no traffic. And although I never come from the north, I can see people's problems. They're on that footpath 20 metres, 30 metres before the first set of lights. They're going south. The ones on the far side have still got the green walking man. One of the best sprints I've ever seen the other day. An old, I'm going to say ratty-looking 10-speed suicide levers tape rolling off the handlebars. But boy, did he dig in from about 20 (laughs) metres over the first crossing and just in time for the second one. I didn't turn around to see how he took the right-hand, left-hand turn. But anyway, it was a great sprint. It was very funny. (laughs) See, the normal commute can bring out... Yes. You know, yeah. qualities in people that you never seen yeah. before. A little bit of news to touch on. We should touch on New South Wales first. Um, the roads are getting safer for cyclists up in New South Wales, mainly because the number of cyclists have dropped. Yep. Um, the uh, number of cyclists has dropped down to pre-2014 levels. So uh, I think um, the Sydney Harbour Bridge, peak hour, um went up to 5,249 in 2013. But uh, it's dropped over the last two years and it's staying down, which some people thought might be something to do with the heavy fines and the stalled bike paths and removal of other bike paths in the inner city by the state government. But the penalties have continually provided a little bit of liquidity to the budget in New South Wales. It's $1.33 million. So um, signs, fines issued to New South Wales cyclists since the uh, state government introduced the new higher levels of fines. So it's more than doubled what was collected for similar offences in the previous financial year, even though the financial year's, you know, only halfway through. Yeah. And uh, um, it's uh, mainly most of those are for not wearing a helmet. Um, and the next highest was a dubious infringement of riding dangerously, which, uh, yeah, that's generated $225,000 worth of fines. Nice work. Yeah. Yeah, 103 for not wearing a belt too. That's not they're good fines. 
Um, it's interesting, and coincidentally, in Victoria, it's a little bit the same. Our road deaths are going up. Victoria, yep. we're running a lot higher than we were the year before, and New South Wales has gone up as yep. well, actually, road deaths. So in a lot of ways, the roads aren't any safer. It'd be interesting to know, are those deaths in inner urban areas or out on freeways? Uh, you've got to see the breakdown, yeah. and that really does change a lot of things. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If you, it's interesting, uh, not to get on to something on this, if you look at pedestrian deaths in Victoria, most of them are over 70. Yeah. Yeah, so you've got to be a bit careful, and most of those overcenies are outside 60-kilometre zones. So yeah. You've got to be really careful about saying oh, one equals that because there's a bit of a breakdown in the, yeah. in the figures. Yeah. Oh, and I, people, when I always raise a pedestrian death, people say, oh, it's everybody walking around with iPads. And I said, well, no. it's not. You know, anyway, let's – oh, God, it's not a happier – I was going to say let's get on to a happier <laughs> topic. Um, there was a cycling death. Uh, Richard Stanton um, died in uh, riding his bike in Canberra 2015. I think it was November 2015. There's been a coronial inquiry into it in the ACT and the cause of the accident has been put down to a fault and subsequent breaking of a, the where a carbon fork on a bike connects to the aluminium steerer. Uh, I know it's probably going to be a very long bow to do anything about it, but the coroner did call for Standards Australia to look at a little bit closely at bike components. It's a bit funny. There's been a bit of history of carbon fork and aluminium steerers yeah. failing. And it was, by all accounts, a very well-maintained bike. Yes. Um, no. You know, so, yeah. But it, it, And had one crash, I think, so you've probably got to assume that was a front-on crash. And Blaine, you're... Component person? I'm... You thrash... Oh, no, I'll rephrase that. Sorry, sorry, let me take that back. You... Destroy bikes? You work your bikes very hard. Um, I do. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of carbon fibre frames and and forks for sort of everyday riding for that reason. Um, There's no real telling what's going on on the inside of a carbon bike. Uh, and they, I've seen a few uh, just catastrophic fails. Um, thankfully, all the people I've been involved with, like they've not been hurt. No. Um, but it's it's a known issue. I mean, they're yeah. beautiful to ride in a straight, like in to from point to to point. Um, but if you're using that sort of thing for a commuter and stuff, they're going to get knocked around. Um, you don't know what's happening to your bike when it's locked up on the no. the street. Um, yeah, not a no. And but um, things, things are them. I, I subscribe to uh, bikes are made to be used, um, and as you're using them, they're going to break. So no. to maintain them. But as no. I said, there's no way of seeing unless you get them X-rayed. Um, yeah. And many of the people that I know that race and and have a fall on their carbon bikes, I'll send them uh, send no. them off to get them X-rayed. But um, but for the average commuter, yeah. that sort of no. yeah, you know. And the you know the ever present um, chase to for lightning weight, the carbon yeah. carbon fork aluminium steerer you know applies or appeals to a lot of people because of the significant weight drop in it. Yeah, there was a um, when you were saying it was a known issue, Blaine. There was a there was a recall of some carbon forks made by a quite reputable company in the states two or three years ago because there were a couple of catastrophic fails of that. Part of the problem is. 
the quality of the manufacturing is what I assume the coroner's getting to. No name, branded forks, carbon mm-hmm. steerer. You would be very careful about using them. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, some people have got a much better reputation for building these things than others. Any other happier top? Well, the other happy topic, I suppose, that we could touch on in the news is, is it day one, day two of the Great Victorian bike ride? So they'll all be setting out, where are they going? Hall's Gap? I think this morning there, uh, I saw someone posted a photo at Dunkeld. Oh, beautiful, beautiful Dunkeld. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Lovely country down there. Soggy. Yeah, yeah, that's good. And we should think about the, uh, I don't know how many, uh, 20, 26 or 30, uh, the oh, Hunt yeah, 1000. The Hunt 1000, yeah. From Canberra to, to Melbourne. Snowy Mountains. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, I should have. Majority off-road um, through some pretty tackling uh, terrain. When did, they, when did they leave? They Beginning s- of the weekend? No, yeah, Sunday morning, I thought. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so um, I, I had a quick look last night. I think uh, one or two of the riders had, had pushed in excess of 200 k's in the first day. Um, completely self-supported yep. uh, bike packing. Uh, Am I allowed to take a guess at least one or two of the leaders, or are they not riding? Jesse. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't believe um, I don't believe Jesse's uh, mm-hmm. taken part. Yeah. Um, I think. He wouldn't have even bothered oh, packing out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> warm up, isn't it? <laughs> what am I going to do in the yeah. afternoon? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So across the snowies, Canberra, across the snowies, yeah, down um, by the coast or no, back through? No, coming through through inland, I believe. Yeah. Through um, all Boston. Um, uh, uh-huh. Yeah, I think it's self-support. It's not, not necessarily a race. No, no, um, no. That's. Uh, I think most of them are predicting sort of five to seven days to oh. to come down. I think uh, that there's one bigger group that they're, they're yeah. sort of camping together. But um, it sounds like a great adventure. It does. I've got to say, um, every time one of those races come up, I reckon it's all one of the best things that happened in the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Self-supported. It's not a race. They're you're not winning anything, but yeah. people are motivated to do it. Mm. Yeah. yeah, sense of accomplishment and bragging rights for the next year, basically. <laughs> there we go. It's all about the experience. Exactly. That's what it's about. Now, we'll be back after this brief tag. CR programs provide information and analysis you won't hear in the mainstream. Today we'll be looking at the legacy of the US war on Vietnam on Laos. And as far as corporate capitalism is concerned, it is the worst political and economic system that you can have. Our laws about jailing refugees and asylum seekers are so well crafted. Sex is not irrelevant and we like who we are, but we don't have to be imprisoned by our gender. Become a subscriber today. Call us on 9419 or visit 3cr.org.au. 3CR, the voice of dissent. And you're back listening to the Yarrabug Radio Show here on 3CR, 855 on that tranny in the kitchen. And we're joined in the studio, as Val mentioned, by Blaine from Cargo and Couriers in Melbourne. Um, and we're going to be talking about last kilometre freight delivery and um, planning for the city by the city of Melbourne for um, how to improve that in the future. Something Blaine's been involved with, and uh, 
knows a lot about as someone who does that last kilometre freight delivery in a very sustainable and low-impact way for other city users. Um, and just for those who maybe don't know, last kilometre freight is, as it says, that last kilometre to businesses in and out of the city of Melbourne um, and it often involves tens of thousands of little white vans which, as you can imagine, in a congested city where pedestrian cyclists and public transport users are all fighting for space, um, has an impact on business and also has an impact on the sharing of that space. So maybe we could kick off, Blaine, with um, how you got involved. Uh, yeah, so I've been operating cargo and Careers since 2010, um, then as, as a bicycle career looking at what's happening elsewhere in the world and uh, ways of further developing our business um, the, the the magical words of last kilometre freight propped up uh, I think I was introduced to them probably four or five years ago um, and then yeah watching watching Melbourne uh, develop um, the CBD um, number of apartments and, and the number of people living is uh, on the dra- dramatic rise uh, therefore, the number of smaller items and, and online shopping and that sort of thing to be to be delivered is also increasing so then the, the problem is like, how do we how do we reach the the customers um, f- watching uh, models through europe and and England um, they're having great success uh, some of the bigger carriers um, that and, and we all know their names, uh, but are operating through through Europe and England uh, are embracing the the cargo bicycles um, and and the last kilometre freight. Uh, and I thought, why can't we do that in Melbourne? No. Um, uh, it's been a couple of years now in development. Uh, the Melbourne City Council have shown huge support from. Our concept, what we're bringing... I mean, there's there's other people involved in the last kilometre freight services um, and there's two or three other services that are developing as well. Um, there's certainly room for a lot more. Yeah. Um, the the fuel-based services are failing. They they make no secret. You can you can speak to any any one of them, the larger players, and yeah. they're, they're scratching their heads like they're, they're looking for answers. Um so the concept is is having consolidation hubs on the the outskirts of the CBD. Yep. The bigger companies are obviously might be f- uh, freighting jobs interstate from from say Sid- Sydney, uh, Adelaide, into warehouses on the the, the suburbs or, or the, the the greater metropolitan area of Melbourne, and and they're broken up into smaller vehicles to be bought into these consolidation hubs from there as in regards to cargo on service our cargo bikes can break up those deliveries a second time and distribute um distribute the the items to their intended uh destinations how much does uh, the design of a city i'm thinking of uh, probably right off board but i'm thinking of the burke street mail obviously no access from the front which means a lot of deliveries have to go through those laneways. Does the design of our city change the way you do it? Most certainly. Um, I think Burke Street Mall is you uh, you can drive a vehicle down, the delivery vehicle down mm. through, through yeah. there. Um, yeah. You have to vacate by 
a certain time. Oh, yeah. I actually, as I don't drive a, a vehicle, I don't pay attention to the technicalities. But yeah. something like quarter to nine or something, you have to, yeah. the, the trucks have to be out of there. Um, but but definitely the design and, and access, I mean, it surprises me. Some Everyone's fighting for, for CBD space and, and retail space and exposure. Yeah. It, it does surprise me some of the larger largest company like they'll set up a store and and i'll scratch my head and go how are they going to get deliveries in there yeah. Yeah. but but they want that that I- iconic area, yeah, yeah, yeah yeah um and and exposure yeah. but um and i know in um you know like amsterdam where you there's a, a very large long pedestrian ice street which yep. is a bit like burke street it, it is where oh, yeah, all yeah. the high-end uh not high-end but the big brands are and you know that's a street that um, any deliveries have to happen before eight a.m. and yeah. after midnight, and that's just not negotiable. And but if you if you are looking at really big businesses like that, that's something they can accommodate. Yeah. If we just look at your business, is there what's the difference between you either delivering things in from a warehouse hub to come into shops? Mm-hmm. I can imagine there's a fair bit of business leaving the shops of the CBD, which you're delivering as well. Yeah, absolutely. Like business to customers, yeah, uh, yeah, online yeah. sales, um, and that's that's an ever increasing market that that online shops and yeah. and, and retailers are trying to pursue. Um, quite often, that that stock is 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 stored in a warehouse out of out of the area oh, I'm with you. so yeah, there's yeah. like an online sale isn't necessarily leaving the Burke, Burke Street, Street. Yep. store yeah yep. um, but it does happen uh, we do do quite a lot of store to store delivery so there might be a customer in a South Yarra shop that's hunting a, a size eight or a, a size uh, seven yeah. that isn't on the, that shop floor yep that other um, South Yarra store will call around their other local uh, stores and and they they will we we do service uh the likes um we'll we'll have a rider turn up at the Fitzroy store and grab that size yeah. 7 or 8 and rush it down to them are there any particular t- style or type of goods that lend themselves to bicycle cargo more than others um L- not talking about foodorama or anyway yeah <laughs> oh, and and the the food industry is definitely an interesting one to look at i yeah. don't uh cargon essentially doesn't advertise or promote yeah. that anyway. it delivers food um i'm I trying to think of more delicate sort of products that would probably be better off in a bike than thrown in the back of a van yeah. and stuff well, like that i think I mean, the, the thing you do that um at first seems not intuitive, is, is the flower delivery. Yeah, we, and we, you've specially designed some of your boxes, haven't we you? We have, um, and we've got some specially designed sort of frames that sit in inside those boxes to take care of vases. Yeah. Um, and I have to say, six, seven years ago, if you were to walk into a Melbourne florist and, and suggest that a bicycle can take a vase, yeah. they wouldn't wouldn't yeah. have agreed but um yeah that's the changing face of, of of melbourne flower delivery um and is increasingly increasingly so the number of flowers that we do yeah. and florists what we have established accounts with yeah. um is is increasing um 
obviously the capacity of the bikes is significantly reduced from uh, a van. Yep. So if, if a florist has 20 jobs going out uh, in and around the suburbs, but then that's where we the, the flowers, the bunches, the bouquets, the vases all sit in the florist a little longer. Yep. But the actual delivery time is a lot shorter. Shorter, and, yeah. and the transit, if we if we're at capacity of our um, our cargo bikes, you know, we're going to clear that capacity pretty quick. Yeah. Um, if it moving away from flowers, if it's it's large heavy boxes, you know, once it's been collected, it's going to its destination quick. Yeah. Whereas if it gets it's not sitting in a van, if it gets yeah. put in a van, it's like there's there's no uh, there's no effort saved uh. or or energy being expended by the van driver if anything the energy being expanded by the the van driver is going to be lifting those boxes back out yeah of yeah. his van yeah. so he's happy for them to sit and sit behind <laughs> well, behind him and the other point that that leads to is that a cargo bike can get much closer to the actual delivery address most certainly than and the van yeah. was looking for a car park or no loading zone or is 40 meters away and still got to carry something Definitely, quite a lot of uh, that's the the advantage of of the speed of our delivery is it is literally door to door or door into. Yeah, um, yeah. we're very fortunate that through we spoke about the delivery times at Burke Street Mall. It's like Emporium Melbourne have been very very helpful. They've actually allowed us before the stores open, allowed us to bring the cargo bikes inside to to higher levels. Um, to enable um, some of the items we're delivering are are quite difficult to lift Um, one of the downsides of the cargo bikes is if you're carrying a trolley it's like then you're riding around with a trolley Mm. Um, but if we see that we view the bikes as trolleys and we're fortunate enough that the people inside the Emporium have deemed that they are a trolley trolley. as well Um, but not to be used when there's uh, shopping public and the stores are open. Yeah, yeah. And I think the other great thing about um, one of the illustrations in the City of Melbourne plan that really struck me was the uh, they showed a streetscape. And um, so for the, from the point of view of businesses, all those delivery vans parked outside completely block view of your business whereas they showed a, a cargo bike parked outside the shops and you still have a clear view of the shop windows and the street. I know riding down Swanson Street where there's no cars but there's a, a, a straight line of delivery vans parked. I mean, the impact on safety for other riders and pedestrians, having I think in Melbourne there's 10,300 delivery vans a day. A day, yeah. And so, entering the CBD. And, and, and they're all moving in and out of oh, yeah. parking or drop-off spaces. So they, how many times they do that every day? Um, you know, the difference mm. between that and if you can replace some of them with cargo bikes, the safety aspect for pedestrians and cyclists is uh, huge too. Most certainly. I mean, Swanton Street's a great example uh, with, with the delivery vans um, and because it's primarily a pedestrian street uh, and you've got the trams on it it's like Ooh. you know i mean i'm well adverse to to looking left and right uh when i when i'm sticking <laughs> my head out between two two parked vehicles but uh not everyone else is no. um and and you've got the bicycle lanes it's a very high uh, yeah. highly highly used street uh that's where cargon's last kilometer freight is trying to 
assist those delivery vehicles is like with the the hub in North Melbourne to allow people to deliver a van load of, of CBD deliveries just stopping short of the city. Yeah. Um, and it is being uh, used by two or three companies at the moment um, and I'm pretty proud to state that one of those companies has actually lost two vehicles from its fleet. So it's actually yeah. save, saving them on road uh, costs and, yeah. and running costs because they co- they just don't need those vehicles anymore. Uh, and the That's cost awesome. of driver too, wouldn't it? Exactly. Yeah. 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 Uh, and if you factor in, yeah, there's community costs of re- when you remove vehicles from the roads. There's, yeah. yeah. Well, we'll have um, links on the podcast to Cargon Couriers and to the City of Melbourne plan. So those who want to read a bit more about it and for anyone who's interested in taking a look at Blaine's business and what he's doing, um, the web link for that is cargoncouriers.com.au And that's all we have time for today. Thank you very much, Blaine, for coming into the studio. Thank you, Faye. Thanks, Um, Faye. And... 3CR relies on the support of its listeners for donations or subscribe subscriptions to keep it on the air. And we'd really appreciate your donations at the moment to the station. You can donate or subscribe at 3cr.com. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.